Welcome back to part two of Monday Night Live with David Heiner. David, welcome back. Thanks for joining us yet again. Um, My pleasure. David, let's talk about lists because I know people that get stressed out by keeping lists and lists make sense. My lists are very long. Um, what's the secret about lists? And I, I like to knock a few things off my list to start off with to get some momentum in the day. And I think you think that's wrong from your body language. Clearly, that's a big mistake. No, no, I'm sorry. I've, I have a very, uh, very crude sense of humor. Sorry. Um, okay. So let's talk about knocking things off. So uh, let's talk about to do lists by a show of hands. <laughs> by a show of hands, who in the Zoom today does themselves a to do list, be it on a daily or weekly basis? virtually everyone now i'm sure that you're better than i but how many of you if you're honest will write down your to-do list you'll look down the list and you'll go i can get that done quick win you go off you get it done you come back you cross it off jill's nodding so jill does this i'm sure you cross it off and you feel good because you like crossing off don't you you like crossing things off no godfrey doesn't like crossing things off <laughs> um you then look down the list again you go i can get that done quick win you go off get it done come back cross it off you now feel smug then when there's nobody looking you write something on the list you've already done just so that you can cross it off now <laughs> i can tell for alex and for godfrey that's apparent now, now, you you guys are obviously much better to do lists than most people, but most people will do the easy stuff first, and that's why at the end of the day or the end of the project, when your time, energy, motivation, and resources at its least, we've got the sprouts left to eat on our to do list. If you use reverse psychology for your to do list and just simply, it's called the third of one percent rule in emotional intelligence giving five to ten minutes a day to increase your productivity by a third of one percent and for five to ten minutes at the beginning of every single day eat one of the sprouts on your to-do list do the hardest scariest tasks first that way when everybody godfrey's with me now at the end of the day when everybody else's goal is getting harder therefore yours can only get easier when your time, energy, motivation, resource at its least, you've done the hard yards, your day gets easier. Now, eat the frog, Nigel, absolutely. Now, this you might say is simple, simplistic. We've all heard this before. Top achievers live by little things like this, and yet we know it. I'll be honest, I'd love to know how many people in the room do that. Or do we get sucked into the comfort calls with clients, the ones that make a nice coffee and have a nice biscuit for us when we turn up? Do we get sucked into playing solitaire on our computer instead of connecting properly with contacts and prospects on LinkedIn? Do we, you know, do we do we take for granted our knowledge and our skill set? I mean, as speakers, and there are, I know there are some coaches and trainers in the room and consultants. Is there anybody else in the room who, like myself, every single year invests something in the craft of delivery? I meet so many supposedly top class speakers coaches trans consultants who say oh i don't need to work on my delivery i've been doing this years i know it's good i go really yeah the top achievers they constantly come everyone everyone goes on about the personal development books the biggest consumers of personal development books are successful people i, I could keep you here for a week with true stories about it mm. so so to-do lists 
are are fantastic if we do the hard yards first. Or we or for it doesn't matter whether it's a daily to-do list or a massive goal. Um structure your timeline of tasks into do the hard stuff first, the stuff that scares you, the stuff you've been putting off doing. That that so that's how I advise everybody to do a to-do list. And we've had four large organizations, two academic and two in corporate world. The two corporate were both financial services organizations. Could Derek, you worked in financial services. You imagine the impact financially this has on a team. We had four organizations test and measure the impact of general day-to-day productivity by doing their daily to-do lists the way I've just suggested. The average increase in productivity was 26.5%. Wow. Yeah. 26.5% just by doing your daily to-do list and eating the frog or the sprout first. And yet we all know it. How many of us are doing it? Now, David, um, my proofreader this morning on my newsletter, when we got to going rhino, he said, I think you made a bit of a mistake here, Derek, and no one will understand it. I said they will if they come on the chat show. So just explain what going rhino means, David. OK, I talking about personal development books. I, I sometimes, as an icebreaker question when I'm interviewing top achievers, ask them, is there a book, not that all oh, that's a good book, I mean, is there a book that's changed your life or business? And out of any biography, autobiography, business book, strategy book, personal development book, the number one most common book quoted is a guy by an American author from California called Scott Alexander, and he wrote a book in 1980 called Rhinoceros Success. Now, being from England and from Birmingham, I'll be honest with you, it's the kind of book that makes me think that's everything that is wrong with the world of personal development and learning. It's a cheesy book. It's a thin book. It's got large print, lots of pictures of cows and rhinos, and it's just this rah-rah motivational book. But if enough top achievers say that's the book for me, and many of them, more than you could imagine, said that's the book for me, I made myself read it. Now, I'll be honest, if anyone wants to read it, it is popular psychology there's not a lot of hardcore well-researched stuff in there but it is incredibly motivating as a book and so I tracked him down interviewed him I said what's it about and Derek he went cows and rhinos and (laughs) I went yeah please tell me there's more to it than that and he said yeah 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 he said he says a figure he made up by the way later proven to be true by positive psychology he said 97% of people behave like cows 3% behave like rhinos. Cows hang around in a little herd where they feel safe, comfortable. How many here hang around with the same people all the time where they know they feel safe, comfortable, and secure? Cows look over the fence and they go, I want to go there, I want to achieve that, I want to be somebody. But they're afraid to have a go in case they fail and their herd laughs at them. So they, to to quote the classic, you know, they always do what they've always done and they always get what they've always got. And to quote Scott Alexander, he says, they chew grass, they moo, and they get milked. Except he didn't say that. My British reserve is is flinching now because what he actually said was, they chew grass, they go, milky, milky. I said, sorry? And he went, milky, milky. I went, okay, okay, bad metaphor. I get it, cow's bad. What about the other 3%? He went, rhinos, Dave. Now, the rhino sees what he wants. It charges at it. 
the rhino is mistaken as an elephant because an elephant treads on things and people to get to where it's going. A rhinoceros charges at the goal or the Land Rover, metaphorically speaking. What I want, the world of positive psychology, though, not only proved those stats to be true, 3% of people in most walks of life outachieve the 97% massively. If you want honestly statistic, honest statistics, it's 25 to 3%, less than 3 in most cases. They say that 3% outperform everybody else massively. And yet the truth is that 3% of the time we fail, we have bad days, things go wrong. The truth is that 97% of the time we settle, we say that'll do. We settle for mediocrity, realistic and achievable when we're capable of 97% of the time being better than we allow ourselves to be. 3% of the time, I bet there are everybody in this room, you've had moments in your life where you were exceptional. And in that moment, you went rhino. You felt great. Maybe it was in service to a God, a community, a company, a client, a family member, a true friend. Maybe it wasn't in service. Maybe it was about a big deal you secured. You went massive on it. Maybe some of you have authored a book, Sporting Prowess, or you've just done something incredibly awesome. And in those little moments, you went rhino. The truth is that most of us who have not got a disease or a disability of our brain are capable of doing that 97% of the time. We don't because it's hard work really crystal clear david crystal clear i've got two more questions before we wrap up uh, the one is um let's start with this one because it's it's a worrying statistic that children you you talk in schools a lot and children are more scared than they've ever been and i don't mean children i mean teenagers and people at university um why is that I can only speak from the UK's perspective because I haven't worked internationally in schools since the lockdown. But in the UK, there were always one or two kids in every school who were greatly challenged or had massive adversity and weren't very resilient. But I am seeing a borderline tsunami epidemic of a lack of resilience, emotional and mental well-being, and the number of kids that are genuinely struggling these days, I was is is through the roof, and it and it, it breaks my heart. I'll be honest with you. And a head teacher said, "David, there's there's four year groups. Um, if if you're working internationally, I don't know how this works for you, but we've we've got two exam year groups and then a sixth form, or I think they meant to be college years. So those four year groups." are the most vulnerable and at risk at the moment. They're very quiet, they're withdrawn, they're scared. They won't have a go in the same way they used to. And I'm generalizing. We, we all know that there are kids who are awesome, kids who are really challenged and but the bulk in the middle. The bulk in the middle are terrified and they're quiet, they're withdrawn. And the head teacher said, why is this, David? I said, well, I'm guessing, I'm only guessing because I don't know, but my take on this is that during lockdown, it was a global catastrophe. And kids look to adults for how to respond in situations like this. And we were as scared as unknowing as what to do as they were. So they withdrew into themselves. And that we're, they're paying the price for that now. Because in their term of heads, as soon, in their term of reference, in their heads, as soon as they experience any kind of challenge or resistance or something that scares them, 
they withdraw. That's their protection mechanism. I have since asked some of the psychologists and the neuropsychologists, our very own Dr. Linda Shaw, and, and these people, they, they say that, yep, spot on, Dave. It's because they've got no term of reference for how to behave in times of crisis. Because normally they look to adults and we were just as scared as they were. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And we need to we need to help people and do something about that. Finally, I want to ask you about the Sedona technique. I've been to Sedona in Arizona. It was painted purple. A lot of wacky people smoking wacky backy were there. And um, but there's a method called the Sedona method, I think. And uh, you told me about it once and I was I didn't really get it. Would you just run through that before we wrap up? Yes, there's uh, an emotional intelligence model called the Sedona method. It was taught to me by the great Sanjay Shah, who I'm trying to convince Derek to get on one of these for you. Uh, he's an emotional intelligence authority. He's one of these scary people who, after five minutes with you, will be telling you stuff about you. You go, how do you know that? <laughs> really, really sharp. And he, and he taught me the Sedona method. And the Sedona method is a way of letting go of a stressful situation. So most, what especially in the British culture, we tend to push things down and not deal with them. And that will only one day, the pressure cooker goes, and it will lead to mental, emotional, physical distress or ill health. So Sedona method is a way of letting go of anything where there's resistance, stress, anxiety, be it a thought, a feeling, a physio physiological tension. Um, and if the best way I can describe it is, well, do you want to, do you all want to have a go? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So if you don't want to have a go, that's fine. If you do, grab a pen or something that won't hurt you or break and just hold it gently in your hand. And can I ask you to think of something on the Richter scale of emotions? Don't pick a 10, okay? Because we're just practicing here. Pick something that's a, a four. So is it, you know, somebody shouted at you, somebody ran into the back of your car, somebody kicked the dog or somebody ate your hamster. I don't know. Um, you know, pick something that's a four, something that's not, uh, makes you go. Uh. And I want you to imagine that it is, you, you can sense it's somewhere in your physiology. Some people say I get tension here. Some people it's in their shoulders, their chest tightens, other people it's their stomach. Recognize where that tension, that knot is within you. When you think about this problem, where is it physiologically? Then very quickly, I'm, I'm dumbing this down, Derek, for speed. What I want you to do is to give it a form, be it a, a sphere, a cube, be it um, a pyramid. It doesn't matter what it is. Give it some form, this feeling. And I want you to recognize where it is and start moving it. Move it around your body. Imagine it's the old um, computer game of tennis where it's pinging around pinging around and I want you to move it because you can because you're in control of it move it to the shoulder of the arm that's holding the pen and as it reaches your shoulder grip the pen tightly move it down your arm and as it reaches your elbow in your mind grip the pen tighter still now move this problem into your wrist and grip the pen tighter still by now your your hand and your pen feels like a lump on the end of your wrist if you're doing this right it feels like one and the same now put that thing into the pen so what you've done is displacement you've placed the feeling into a thing and put the thing in the pen it's displaced 
So now I want you to focus on this pen and Sedona is three questions. It's could you, would you, and when? So I'm asking you all, could you let it go? And if the answer is yes, yes, I could let it go. Okay, if you could let it go, would you let it go? What is the, what, what are you gaining from holding on to this, this tension? And if you could let it go and you would let it go, when? And if the answer is now, you take a deep breath in. And as you breathe out, you actually let it go. If you're dealing with something that is on a big scale, maybe it's gone down from a 10 to a four. Maybe you can't let it go yet. I've worked with people who've been sexually abused and raped, and they're not ready to let go of it yet because it's part of, sadly, part of their identity. So I get them to put it in their top pocket. And then later on, we try and take it down from a four to a one. But you can let go. It's called letting go. It's called the art of letting go. Sedona method lets go of tension, anxiety, stress, negative feelings, physiological feelings. And it is such a quick way of reducing that pressure cooker. I hope that answers the question, Derek. Yeah, it does, David. That's fantastic. Uh, and we're out of time, David. Will you come back and join us again another time? Because that's been an absolutely sensational two-part uh, interview today where we've taken a lot of things away. And I was just thinking, there's so many people on this call live and watching it on YouTube, listening to it on the podcast, where they should be using some of this to help other people, passing it on. That's the whole purpose of us meeting today, to pass some of these techniques onto younger people people who are uh, uh, suffering from lack of resilience at the moment etc so David can I thank you so much for joining us and can I ask members of Monday Night Live to thank you in the normal way thank you so much David Heiner and how do people get hold of you David if they want to uh, talk to you if they spell my name right, put me in Google. I'm over it like a rash you don't want to speak to the doctor about. Very easily found. DavidHeiner.com or YouTube. There we go. David, thanks for joining us. And will you stay on for a little while, please? Be delighted. Be delighted. Thank you, Thank you David Heiner.